I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. In a moment we're going to read uh, several verses here. Um, several years ago, um, and uh, those who are here at Trinity will remember this, it's been, been quite a few years, but um, several years ago I uh, was at home late one evening um, my wife goes to bed before I do, and uh, and I usually stay up. I'm sitting at my desk, reading, studying, working, and praying, and and uh, so I was doing that one evening, and I got up to go back into the bedroom, and the bedroom was dark. Now she doesn't sleep with the light on, obviously. But, uh, but, and, and, and I always felt like I knew my way around the house so well. You know, I've been, we've lived there for many, many years. I could make my way from the kitchen all the way back to the bedroom and never have a problem, even in the dark, because I was so familiar with the house. Well, a year or two earlier, we had purchased, uh, in January. Did you know that January, in the month of January, they sell more exercise equipment than any other month of the year. And you know why that is? Because Thanksgiving and Christmas were right before that, and we had gained some weight. And I thought, well, we need to get that off. And so uh, the best way we thought to do it was to get an exercise machine. So we bought an elliptical machine, and we put it in our bedroom, and it lined up exactly with the doorway. And um, I got up that night and started into the bedroom and didn't have any shoes on, didn't have any socks on. I had some uh, flip-flops on, you know, uh, that's, that's what I wear around the house. And so, uh, and I knew, I knew my way in there very, very well. And, and so I went in there in the dark, I turned all the other lights out, went in there in the dark and knew that I was lined up exactly the way I needed to go to get over to the bed. But somehow my natural uh, GPS was not working well that night. And I walked straight in to the bedroom, straight in to where that elliptical machine was. And my right foot hit the back of the, the machine and I started to fall forward. And as I did, I stepped forward with my left foot real, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. And, uh, and there was a, there's, there was a sport that went down on either side of the machine that held the seat that you sat on, and it was at the back. And if this is my left foot, you know, this is my big toe, my little toe, this is my left foot, when I stepped forward, when I, when I did like this to catch myself, that bar went right between those two toes. I mean, and, uh, and, and I said, oof, you know, I, Made a noise. My wife woke up. She said, are you okay? I said, well, I think so. And so uh, I walked back a little bit and, and felt the machine to make sure I was in the right place, you know, and went over to the closet, went in the closet and shut the door and turned on the light so I could look at it because I didn't want, you see how sensitive I am to my wife? I didn't want her to have to lay there with the light in her eyes. So I didn't, I didn't turn the light. I went in the closet and turned the light on and looked at my left foot, and that bar had gone right through here. This finger, this, this toe, was, was gone. It was like that. I'm, I'm not kidding. It was at a right angle 
to this toe. And so I cracked the door a little bit and I said, maybe not. Am I okay? Maybe not. So uh, then I turned the light on. She got up. We went to the hospital and I had to get that. I couldn't sleep with it that way. Uh, my, you know, anyway, I uh, went to the hospital. The doctor came in. He's reading the clipboard. I'm laying on this table. My foot's up there. You know, I'm waiting for him to come in to fix this. And he walks in the table. He's reading this, walks in the, the room. He's reading this clipboard. He says, okay, let's see. You've, you've injured your toe. And then he looks at me and says, which toe is it? And I thought, are you kidding? If you can't figure out which toe it is, I want a different doctor. Uh, but then he looked up and he saw the toe and he said, oh, I see which one it is. And we, and, 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 and you'll be impressed with this. He said it without, I didn't, I didn't get a shot. I didn't take any medicine. I didn't do anything. He said, if I give you a shot, it's going to hurt as much as it will for me to set it. And, uh, and, and if I set it, it'll just take a second. And, uh, I said, okay, just go ahead and do it. I gritted my teeth and he grabbed that toe and pulled it out in the sun and pulled it back straight and then let it go. And it hurt. <laughs> but it was very brief. Now here's the point. I had that, that happened. I broke that toe because there was, there was no light there. The light was gone. I could not see where I was going. Even though I thought I knew how to get through there, I didn't, I, I got off a little bit and I hit that exercise machine and I broke my toe as a result of that. I want you to look at the passage here in Matthew chapter 5. We begin reading verse 14. The Bible says, ye are the light of the world. Now Jesus had already said, uh, over the book of John, he says twice. He says, I am the light of the world. But in this case, Jesus says to his disciples, ye are the light of the world. And then he says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Um, Let your light so shine before men that ye may, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Can you imagine what it would be like if we didn't have any light? I learned that night what it's like if you don't have any light and you tr just trust your ability to, to make your way through. But there are a lot of people in our society today, and unfortunately there are even some Christians who are seeking to make their way through life today without the light they need to be able to navigate. They end up making mistakes because they don't embrace the light that God has given us. Some people are going to end up in hell because they chose not to embrace the light that God is giving us. But Jesus does not say you need the light. We as believers have the light. He says you are the light. You are the light of the world. Now this morning I want to talk to you about the importance of light. The Bible has a lot to say about light. Uh, let's start with the provision of the light. Where did the light come from? We're not going to turn, but you remember Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You come down to verse number 3, 
And the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. The very first thing that God did when he created the world and all that is here, the very first thing he did was he said, let there be light. Now, obviously, he was not creating light. He did not make light because he is light. Uh, The Bible states that very clearly. We'll get to that in a moment. But the light came from God. And the light that is on this earth is because God said, let the light shine on this earth. Um, We were talking on the way to the church this morning and uh, you know, the light on the earth, the light has no, the, the earth has no light of its own. Uh, the light that we see out there now comes from the sun. The sun has the light. All the stars have light. But planets don't have any light, and moons don't have any light. The light that we see at night from the moon does not come from the moon, it comes from the sun. The, the, the moon is just reflecting the light. Now, I've heard preachers say, that we're supposed to, to reflect the light of God. But that's not true, because we have that light already. When a person gets saved, we gain that light. We have it internally in the person of the Son of God and the Spirit of God who lives within us. And so we are supposed to shine as lights. We're, supposed to, we're not supposed to need light. We're, spo- light. we're supposed to provide light for others. Uh, and, and, and light that, that would guide them to the Savior. But the light comes from God. He's the one that provides it. He's the one that has produced it in us. And He's the reason that we can shine as lights in the world. Secondly, I want you to think about the purpose of the light. And I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it's interesting that all of these passages, all the passages we're going to look at today that have to do with light begin back at the beginning. Um, All of them talk about the beginning. So, So John chapter 1 and verse number 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that made that was made. In him was life, and that life, and the life, was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That that is, in my opinion, probably one of the saddest verses in Scripture. The light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now you understand when he talks about darkness there, he's not talking about physical darkness in the sense that that there's no light on. He's talking about the darkness of this world. And, um, and, And the contrast there is between light and darkness. Um, you understand that light and darkness cannot coexist in the same space. You know, if there's light in here, there can be no darkness. If there's darkness in here, it means there is no light. The light always has power over the darkness. So, if you come into this room in the middle of the night, and we were to black the, 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 
the windows out so they couldn't see any street lights shining through or whatever, then you would have you would have darkness in here. But when you turn the light on, the light comes on and the darkness goes away. One of the things that the light does is dispels darkness. It gets rid of the darkness. It repels it. It goes away. I can go into a dark place and then take a flashlight out and turn the flashlight on, and the moment the light comes on, the darkness is gone. The opposite does not work. You can't go into a room that's full of light and carry a box which is sealed up, which is absolutely dark inside the box. You know, the, 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 there's no light in there because the 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 the, the, um, the container blocks out any light from being in there. But the moment you open the box up, it doesn't make the whole room dark. What's in the box becomes light. So so light dispels or repels the dark darkness. Light reveals what is in its place. I mean, what it reveals what's there. You turn the light on. If I turned the light on when I walked in the bedroom that night, I could have seen right there's the elliptical machine. You don't want to run into it, so I'm going to make a, you know, the light helps you to be able to see that. So it, it reveals what's there. It drives away darkness. It reveals what's there. So it gives you information that you did not have. And that's important. We'll get to that in just a moment. But light is exactly the opposite of darkness. And we need light. We cannot function well without light. And God provides that light. So what is the purpose of the light? Well, those three things it does that I've already mentioned. But I want you to notice, verse number 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, and all men who, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. Verse 9, that Jesus was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He came to shine dark light in the darkness, came to, to light every man, to give them the knowledge necessary for them to be able to put their trust in Christ. Now let's look back. We're gonna, I'm gonna make this, make this connection. We've done it many times in the past, but I, but I want to, to do it again, uh, so that you understand this. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. Look down at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. That was the light coming to this earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word which was with God became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to this earth. And notice what it says, and the Word was God, verse number 1. And verse 14, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you understand that we would not know what God is like, nor would we understand his grace and truth if Jesus had not come to this earth. And the thing that revealed who God was, or who God is, to mankind, the thing that showed his grace and truth was the light that he brought. He was the light of the world. So, the purpose of the light 
was to reveal to us who God is and to reveal to us how God desired to show us grace and how truth came from God. We don't know anything about who God is unless Jesus had come. We don't know anything about his grace unless Jesus had come. We don't know anything about his truth unless Jesus had come. The Bible goes on, and uh, uh, verse number 18, it says, No man hath seen God in any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So we know what we know about God because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and he shined that light in the darkness. So the provision of the light, all light comes from God. The purpose of the light was to let us know who God is and so that we would understand what he has done for us so that we could become his children. There's a third thing, and this is where I want to focus most of my time, and that is the promise of the light. What does the light eventually do for us as believers? And this is, this is, a, this is a wonderful thing, and it, and it has to do not just with while we're on this earth, although that's part of it, but it has a great deal to do with what's going to happen in eternity. The same one who writes about the light coming also tells us about the promise of the light. So turn, if you would, to John's first epistle. First John, and we're going to look again at verse number one. And we'll find again this reference to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the first thing God said was, let there be light. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but He was the light, the true light that cometh to shine in the world. The light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Let me go back and, and, and mention this, the contrast between light and darkness. Light, light provides for us information. We talked about that. Darkness doesn't provide any information at all. We gain no knowledge from darkness. Light provides information that helps us to be able to, to, to function, information about who God is, information about what God does, but what God wants in our life. Light provides that. Darkness provides nothing. Light is in Scripture a symbol of purity. Darkness is the opposite. Darkness is a symbol of impurity. When, when you have light, you have complete transparency. In darkness, there is no transparency. In light, what you do is revealed. In darkness, it's hidden. The Bible says that men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Darkness represents deception and wickedness and, 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 and all kinds of things. Light represents clarity and truth and integrity and purity. Third thing, light is a symbol of joy. Darkness 
produces joy for no one. Darkness, when you think about darkness, darkness is, is, is depressing. It's, it's, it's dangerous. It's, uh, it's, uh, dis, disheartening. It's, it's deadly. People who live in countries in the far north, where in, in north Alaska, north part of Alaska, whatever, where there's, they have six months of darkness. In the darkness, in the winter, they have a huge increase in suicide because people are so depressed because they can't see the light. They're, 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 they don't like the darkness. Darkness is deadly. It's dangerous. It's depressing. It's everything that light is not. So light is a symbol of knowledge. Light is a symbol of purity. Light is a symbol of joy. All those things are what God is. God is knowledge. He is omniscient. He knows everything. When we get to heaven, the Bible says we're going to know even as we are known, but it does not say we're going to know everything. We're not going to know everything. We're not, we're not going to have the attributes of God, attributes of God when we get to heaven. We're not going to be omniscient. We're not going to be omnipotent. We're not going to be omnipresent. We're not going to be any of those things. We're going to be perfect in the sense that we're without sin. There'll be no temptation for us to sin. And we will be without sin. And that's a wonderful thing. We will be in light, the Bible says, forever because God is the light of the new heaven and the new earth, and, and, and his light will provide whatever light is there for eternity. So we will be in light forever there, so, so we won't have any darkness, nor will we have any temptation. It'll be a wonderful thing. But we are not going to be omniscient. We're not going to be omnipotent. Uh, I had a fellow years ago, we were talking about heaven, and after the service, he came up to me and he said, do you think you'll play golf in heaven? And I said, well, I don't know. I, I don't see the reason why we couldn't. I mean, a golf course is a beautiful place. It's God's creation. But, uh, uh, but he said, well, what, what, wouldn't it get really boring? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you get up on the first tee and you hit the ball and you make a hole in one. You go to the second tee, you hit the ball, you make a hole in one. Wouldn't that get kind of boring after a while? Well, he has a misunderstanding of what it's going to be like in heaven. We're not going to be omnipotent. We're not going to be able to do whatever we want to do. The challenges of, of time and, and, and space and those kind of things, we're still going to be dealing with them because we're still created beings. We are not going to become gods. So, uh, so heaven is going to be a place where light is going to shine forever and we will be free of temptation. But, uh, but there, there won't be any darkness there. And that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So let's look again in John, 1st John chapter 1. And I want you to see the, um, the, the promise of light. Verse number one, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. John's talking about Christ being on this earth and the fact that he knew him. And, uh, and because he knew him, 
he gained knowledge. He understood that that he was absolutely pure, and they and he and he understood that he was the 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 uh, um, the source of of their joy as well. Uh, verse number four, he actually says, or verse number three, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now notice he talks about fellowship in three, in three ways, three forms here. He says, that which we have seen and heard declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. So John's saying we can fellowship together because of what we learned from the person of Jesus Christ while he was on this earth. And then he says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Here's the promise of light, and we're going to read about it in just a second. But the promise of light is the fellowship that is ours because of that light. Look at verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know what the greatest benefit of the light that we have is? It is the fact that it changes us so that we become light because of what Jesus has done in our heart. And the result of that is we have the privilege of having fellowship with others who are in the light. But more importantly than that, we have fellowship with the Son of God, who is the light, and we have fellowship with God the Father. We have a relationship with God the Father. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. I'm not minimizing in any way, shape, or form the fact that we're going to be in heaven forever. And that we're going to live in wonderful surroundings and that we're going to have everything we want and it's going to be perfect, all that kind of stuff. But the greatest benefit of our salvation is not that we're going to heaven in the sense that we're going to have all kinds of things when we get there. But the greatest benefit of our salvation is that we have a relationship with our Creator. And I think sometimes that gets kind of lost in the background. We talk so much about heaven. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place, but the, the reason it's so wonderful is because our Heavenly Father is going to be there. And we will fellowship with Him for all eternity. But I got news for you. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to do that. We have that privilege now as believers. We have a relationship with our Heavenly Father that we did not have before we got saved. And that relationship, that opportunity for fellowship is ours, not because of anything we did, but because of the light that he gave us in the form of his son. Again, verse number five, this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you, 
that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In this world, it's depressing. Even though we have light and even though we are the light, we're, we, we live in a dark world. I mean, you, we, several people that came in this morning, they said, boy, what a beautiful day. The sun is shining. Look at all of that. You know why it looks beautiful to us right now? Because we are seeing through a glass darkly. We can't see clearly. If we saw clearly, we would realize how dark this world is. We are going to be absolutely, I I believe that when we get to heaven, we are going to be absolutely astounded at what we see. I mean, the light is going to be, I don't know if this is true or not, but I suspect that we will not be able to perceive, well, this, this is true, I know that we can't perceive that light right now because our, our perception is, is hindered, it's constrained because we live in human flesh. But when we get to heaven, we're going to be astounded at what we had not been able to see. We're going to be astounded at what we had not been able to smell or taste or hear you know, we, we only we only hear the song this morning was beautiful. I enjoyed so much the harmony as the ladies sang that song and the message of the song. That was a, a, a wonderful blessing and we enjoyed that. But you understand that we're just hearing a little bit of the spectrum. Sound goes so far beyond what we're able to comprehend. And that's true of light, that's true of taste, that's true of every sense that we have and when we get to heaven when we get our new bodies all of that is going to be released we're going to be able to see and hear and know everything from that perspective and that's going to be a a very very wonderful thing but we're not there yet so we're there we're on this earth so we have opportunity to fellowship with our father who we cannot see right now but we know him in a personal way. He lives in our heart and we have, have opportunity to have communion with him and fellowship with him. We know him. We have fellowship with his son and we have fellowship with the saints. Now that's where the, where the hang up comes in, you know. Because our fellowship with God can always be great because he's perfect. Our fellowship with the Savior is great because he's perfect. But you folks ain't perfect. Nor am I. So our fellowship gets tangled sometimes. Right? I mean, is there anybody you know who's a Christian that you would say, well, I know I'm going to have to live with him forever, but I'm going to limit my time with him on this earth. Not sure I want to spend a lot of time with him on, on this earth. Now, now let's, let's go back through the three things that light provides. Three things that are true about light. Light is a symbol of knowledge. It's a symbol of, of uh, purity. It's a symbol of joy. Those three things are the foundation of our fellowship, both with God, with His Son, and with other saints. So, fellowship with saints, I'm going to focus on that because that's what we're dealing with right now. But fellowship with saints is established by our knowledge. Somebody comes and they come to our church and they enjoy being here. And if they don't know the Lord, then obviously they they get saved and 
trust the Lord, and then they come and they want to join the church, and they get baptized, and they become a part of our fellowship. And that's the way we describe it. That's what it is. And, uh, and, and they decide whether they want to be a part of our fellowship based on the light they receive when they come and what they learn about us, what they know about us. You know, a, a saved person comes in and they're looking for a church and they sit down. And uh, I had a, a guy I met before the service and I said, when you get done with the service over, if you'll stick around a little bit, I'd like to talk to you. And I'll answer any questions you may have about the church. He said, well, that's, that's okay. That, that'd be good. But I, I think probably I'll get all the answers I need just from sitting in the service. What was he saying? He said, I'm going to get light just by being here. I'm going to see what's going on. I'm going to hear what you're saying. I'm going to watch what's going on in the service. I'm going to listen to the message. I'm going to interact with some of the people. And that knowledge will determine whether or not he wants to be a part of our fellowship. So fellowship among believers is established by knowledge. Second thing, it's enhanced by purity. What makes a church a blessing to be a part of? Now, there is no church where everybody is absolutely without sin. I've been looking for a church like that all my life. I, you know, of course, if I ever found one, I joined it, and I'd ruin it. You know, there's, so there, there is no, there is no church that is like that. But the closer believers walk to the Lord, then the closer they're going to be to one another. We use that that thing when when somebody's going to get married. We talk about a husband and a wife, and the best way for them to be as close as they can be is for each of them individually to get as close to the Lord as they can. The closer they get to the Lord, the closer they get to each other. And the closer we, as believers, get to the Lord, the better our fellowship is going to be. You know, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be perfect, and we're going to have wonderful fellowship because we're all going to believe exactly the same thing. There's not going to be any debates in heaven over anything. Because we get to heaven, we're going to understand everything that we don't understand now. So on this earth, the closer we get to the Lord, the more uniform how we think is going to be and the better our fellowship will be. Now let me say this too. When we talk about Fellowship being enhanced by purity, it's not everybody else's purity. So in other words, you, you come into the church and you, and you get to know people and you say, you know, our church would be a whole lot better off if so-and-so would get this fixed. They'd take care of this issue. They, everything would be great. That's not what's going to make it better. You know what's going to make it better? If you get rid of the problem you got. You say, well, I don't have any problems. Well, we all do. My issue in the fellowship of our church has to do with my limitations, my failures, my wrong thoughts, my perceptions, my assumptions that are wrong. 
me choosing to believe something that might be true when I don't know whether it's true or not. Because I think I, I know. Nobody, nobody has the mind of God. Nobody has omniscience. You can't know what everybody's thinking. So if somebody says something, you can't look at them and say, well, I know what they meant by that. You may think you do, but you really don't know what they meant by that. So what's the best thing for, for us to do? What's the best thing for me to do if I hear somebody say something and it sounds like it could be offensive in some way or whatever? My best choice is to assume that they didn't mean that until I find out for sure that is what they meant. Because when I start assuming things that are not true, I find out sometimes later that what I thought was true was not, and my attitude ended up causing a problem rather than solving it. We can be very careful about that. I have a tendency to, and, 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 and my wife helps me greatly with this, we get in the car sometimes after church. I say, did you hear what that guy said? I'm not going to say who ever, but hear what that guy said. And I'll tell her what I think he meant. And she'll say, well, you don't know that. Doesn't it, don't you hate it when your wife becomes the Holy Spirit? But she, she helps me with that. And I'm very grateful for that because I have a tendency to do that. And I get all bent out of shape over stuff that really it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. But when I choose to think about that properly instead of building a case in my mind about a problem that doesn't exist, when I choose to, to get that squared away in my thinking, you know what, that, what, what happens when I come to church? My fellowship is better. My fellowship with the person I thought may have been attacking me is better. My fellowship with everybody else is better. Fellowship is enhanced by purity. If everybody gets everything right, that's wonderful. But we can't make sure everybody else gets everything right. So what do we do? We make sure that we get ourselves right. And if everybody does that, then that, that makes the fellowship better. Fellowship is established by knowledge, it's enhanced by purity, and it's evidenced by joy. Don't you, don't you love going into church where everybody's happy, where everybody's full of joy, where they love the Lord and they love each other? That's the way a church ought to be. That's the way it ought to be all the time. All the time. You come to church, you come to church, Why? Because when you come to church, you're going to be encouraged. It's going to be a blessing. You're going to leave there with, a, with, with more joy than you had when you came. Listen, the Bible says that the world is a dark place. That's where we live. We watch the news and we listen to other people, interact with other people, interact with other drivers on the road, You know, interact with all kinds of people in this world. When we come to church, it ought to be a place where we enjoy the fellowship because we are like-minded. We have the same system of belief and, and, and because that's a place where when we come, we get joy. We have the joy that, that needs to be there. I want to be at church. I live here. We moved here 20 years ago and left 
our family, all of them, in North and South Carolina. Myra's closest family is in Rainsville, Alabama. My closest family would be in Jacksonville, Florida. I moved to a place where I had no family. You know who my family was when I got here? Was those people who are part of Trinity Baptist Church. You know who my family is in Warner Robins right now? It's the folks that are sitting in this room. That's it. They're the ones that I fellowship with. They're the ones that when they find out about a need I have, they pray for me. They're the ones that encourage me. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my family every opportunity I get. There are times when things happen, you can't, but, but I want to be here. I want to be with my family. That's where I gain encouragement. That's where I experience the joy that God intends for me to have. I have I, I, it's not like I'm walking around, you know, depressed all the time. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that the world does not provide joy for a believer. The fellowship of God's people is where that joy comes from. And that's what God intends for us to have. When we are not doing what God wants us to do in the sense that we're not gathering, we end up, that's why, that's why for that two months or three months or whatever it was, we were doing only live streaming and we weren't meeting like this. That's why that was, that was a problem because we did not get what we needed from being together as believers. Light is important. Light is knowledge. Light is purity. Light is joy. And the promise of that light is the fellowship that we have as believers. It's our salvation, for sure. And it's, it's the, the, the benefit of knowing the Lord, obviously. But none of that means anything without fellowship. Fellowship with the Lord fellowship with His Son, and fellowship with the saints. May God help us to value that as we should. I love God's people. I love to be here. I love to sing. I love to preach, and I love to hear myself preach. <laughs> I, lived, I love to hear preaching, whatever. you know. I, no, I love to hear other people preach. But, uh, but you, you, you understand what I'm saying. I love what goes on here. And I enjoy being here. And I would encourage you to value that. If you don't enjoy being with the saints today, heaven may not hold as much hope for you because you're going to be with them forever. We're going to be together forever. Now, now not going to be like it is now because in heaven we're all going to be perfect. But we are going to be together forever. And it's not going to get boring. It's not going to get, un, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a wonderful thing. The closest thing that anybody can experience to heaven on earth is when people come and participate in a group of believers who have joined together to seek God's guidance and to honor Him and to rejoice in what God has done for Him. God, God, what, what God has done for us. That's as close as it's going to get. And that's what we have here. So, don't take for granted what God has given us as a church family. Let's stand together and have our eyes closed.